the Bible makes this promise. If you look for me, you will find me. And that's God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, verse 13. And what we need to do is ask ourselves the question, how do I go about looking for God? He's a spirit, and it's impossible to see a spirit. Uh, they're invisible. Uh, we know from uh, our teaching and from uh, the scripture that he is everywhere at all times. He is what is known as omnipresent, which just means he's everywhere. Uh, he is all-knowing. And so we, we have to stop and ask the question, well, how do I look for him? How do I begin looking for him? Well, one way to begin looking for him is through what is called prayer. When Jesus uh, began his ministry and he is baptized by the uh, uh, John the Immerser, he begins his ministry with a prayer. And at the end of his ministry, while he's there on the cross, he is praying to God. His entire ministry was saturated with prayer. He prayed for himself while he was there in the garden. He said, uh, take this cup, which was his upcoming death on the cross. Take this cup away from me, Lord, but not my will. Yours be done. He prayed for his disciples before this uh, event. And he said, uh, keep them safe. He had a mission for them to complete. And he prays for his disciples as a group. Then he prays for his disciples as individuals. He, he begins to speak to each one uh, and, and singles them out and, and prays for them individually. He also, which I find fascinating, prayed for us. In John chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus in his, is in this prayer about uh, keeping the disciples safe and about the unity that he requires all of us to have. And in this prayer, he says, not for them alone, but for those who believe on what they say, on what they preach. He's talking about us. He's praying for us. And of course, he prayed for his enemies, which that's a bizarre twist, isn't it? Pray for your enemies. And we have to ask the question, if if it was this important to the Son of God, this perfect individual who walked on earth as man and committed no sin, and yet his entire ministry was saturated with prayer, if it was that important to the Son of Man, should it be equally important to us? Can we find God in prayer? Now, let's back up just a little bit. Let's think about some things that we can uh, quantify, that we can look at and see touch and hear. Ever known someone that is easy to talk to? You just are drawn to them naturally and, and you begin a relationship and you begin because they have this heart that is humble and they're not, not that concerned about themselves. They want to know how you are and they want to make sure that you're doing well and and they, they come to you and they uh, are there for you and, and they're, they're happy to be around you and you just feel comfortable. They have this humble attitude. And, and when they do talk, they're, they're passionate about their, their likes and dislikes. And they have hobbies and they, they talk about them and their eyes sparkle and, and all the different things that happen. They're very passionate about the things that they love and maybe their grandchildren or their children. Uh, and, and you just love to hear them speak. And they're so joyful. They're so full of life. They're, they're thankful for all the blessings. And 
it's so wonderful to have a person like that. Maybe this person would even become your best friend. Is that still a thing? Is best friends still a thing? <laughs> I think it is. And, and you think about that person in your life that, that has these attributes that they're, they're very humble, they're very passionate, they're, they're joyful and thankful. Well, let's, let's put that to work in our search for God. Let's put that to work in our conversation with the creator of the universe. What if we came to him with a humble heart? What if we came to him and, and God actually enjoyed being around us? <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine being at that level with God and he, he enjoys being around us and he, he sees our passion for those that are lost in the world, those uh, that, that need our help. And there, there are things that we're doing and God is, is loving that about us. And he's, he's seeing our passion for uh, supplying and, and doing the things he asks. We're joyful in our life. We're, we're thankful to him. What if we came to God like that? You see, when we understand our relationship to our creator, we can become his best friend. Just try to picture that. We should make it a habit to be in the presence of God. We should. We should be habitually in the presence of God. And the one way to do that is through prayer. And so the question then becomes, if I'm looking for God and he's promised that I'll find him, can I do this through this avenue we call prayer? Can I find him in prayer? And we have to look to the scripture. We have to look to the scripture for some of these answers. We have to look for some examples. We have to look for uh, some evidence that others have found and have written down and given us of this information, turn with me in the book of Psalms, chapter 5. And we start looking at uh, David and, and his ability to write and all the emotions that he portrays in his Psalms. And listen to this one in Psalm chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. David says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Maybe your version says my meditation." Heed the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to thee and eagerly wait. And so possibly what we can do in our search for God, we can begin each day with a prayer. Possibly we can even continue throughout the day in prayer and Finish our day in prayer. You know, uh, Paul would say, 1 Thessalonians 5, and I believe it's verse 17, he would say, pray without ceasing. What? Don't stop praying? I got to pray all day? Well, that's not what he means. What he's saying is, make it a habit. Make it something that is part of your existence and speak to him as you would your best friend. If you come to him with a humble heart, if you come to him and you approach him as you should, because he's the God of the universe and you are his creation, we come to him with a humble heart and we, we pour out our emotions and we, we are passionate about 
the things that we sometimes we're we're in such pain that we can't even come up with the words. God says, I got that too. I understand. I know. He he wants to hear what we can communicate. He says, give it a shot, say something, and be in the presence of me. I want you with me. Maybe we're we're so joyful. Something has happened in our life and it's turned the corner. We've turned the corner and we're we're on to something that's fantastic. We can go to God and say, Well, thank you. This is fantastic. And be joyful and thankful. You see, God says, I want to hear from you. And I want you to do it all day. I don't want just when you're in, in a bad situation. If we wait and it's the last resort to pray, that's pretty late. Now, we've all done that. We've all waited. And it happens to each of us. But we should be praying when it's good. We should be praying when it's bad. We should just be praying during the day, anytime. Talk to God. We see the blue sky. We see uh, the clouds. We see springtime and the flowers and the beauty and the, our friends. And, hey, there's all sorts of things to talk to God about. And he says, you should make it a, you should make it a habit to be in the presence of God. Now, listen to what David says there in Psalm 5. Listen to my words, O Lord. That is quite a request. How many people do you suppose are talking to God? Well, let's see. There's about six and a half, seven billion people on the planet. Of those, possibly, let's be generous. Let's say two-thirds, three-fourths, maybe two-thirds or three-fourths of them. Speak to God. That's a lot of activity. That's a lot of speaking. That's a lot of prayer. And imagine if you just heard like a day's worth of prayer from two-thirds of the population of the planet today. Our God is able and willing and wanting a relationship. He says, talk to me. I got this. Speak your heart. Come to me humbly. Come to me passionately. Come to me in pain. Come to me in joy. Come to me in thanksgiving. But come to me and speak to me. I need this communication. David says, give ear to my words, O Lord, and consider my meditation. The first psalm has a contrast between the the righteous man and the wicked man. And the righteous man is the one that is in a constant relationship in a in a good relationship with God, and he is he is likened to a tree planted by living water, and his roots run deep. And this is the image that God says, "I want you to to have this security. I want you to have this confidence. I want you to come to me because I want this relationship, and I want to hear from you. And then you will be confident. You'll be planted like a tree by living water." You see, this connection that we have and that we can have with God, a relationship, begins there at the new birth. When, when we recognize our sinful uh, life and we, we turn to God in obedient faith and we say, what must I do to be saved? And he says, well, repent, stop the sinning, turn away from the sin, turn back to me, come back to me, and let each of you be baptized, immersed, what, in, in water? Yep. And 
it begins, this relationship begins, and he says, now you're in this place, this special relationship, the privilege is there for you. You have access now to the most holy place where our creator, our God, exists, and he wants to hear from you. What a special privilege. What an honor. And he says, I want to hear from you. James, the brother of our Lord, he says, the reason you don't have what you need, the reason you don't have the things that are available, it seems like to everybody else, the reason you don't have is because you don't ask. James chapter 4, verse 2, you don't have because you don't ask. And sometimes we ask, but it's not according to God's will. I, I want to be rich. I want to have a brand new car. I want to have uh, whatever. We, we start asking for things that are ridiculous, and God says, I'm not, not, I'm not a genie in a bottle. He says, do it according to my will. Well, how do I know what your will is, God? Oh, that's right. He wrote it down. He said, here's my will. Ask according to this. Huh. And when we do, we follow this thing that God has laid down for us. He says, then you can have confidence. And if you lack wisdom, you can ask God who gives generously. Ask in faith, not doubting. <laughs> not like the waves of the sea back and forth and here we go. No, we can be confident because God says, I know what you need. I want to hear from you. I want to hear that you're paying attention and you're doing the things that I've asked you to do. I want this from you. And so in Psalm chapter five, he goes on to say, in the morning, O Lord, you'll hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly wait. I believe that may be the most difficult thing that God's asked us to do. Wait. I don't know about you, but two minutes and 22 seconds is a long time to wait for popcorn. You know what I'm saying? That's a long time. Two minutes? I got to wait? Yep. And sometimes it's more than that. I go back in our history and we look at Abraham. He's promised a son. He's 75 years old. You know when Isaac was born to Abraham? You know how old he was? Oh, that's right. He was 100. You heard me. 100. He had to wait 25 years. What have you been waiting for for 25 years? Hmm. We don't wait. We don't like to wait. We're not geared that way, it seems. But God says, I require that of you. You ask, you ask often, and you ask according to my will, and then you wait. And what do we do? Well, as faithful Christians, we wait. We trust him. Again, in the book of Psalms, if you flip over several chapters, chapter 55, about verse 16, the psalmist is going to give us some more information, and he's going to say, here's some more things that you can understand and, and start to realize. But in chapter 55, verse 16, it says, As for me, I'll call upon God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and noon, I'll complain and murmur, and he'll hear my voice. He'll redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me. For there are many who strive with me. God will hear and answer them, even the one who sits enthroned from of old. Wow. 
That's quite a promise. When it's bad, God says, I'm listening. And sometimes it's really bad. You think about your existence. Has it always been rosy and beautiful and sunny and pleasant? Nope. We all struggle. And at often we're often on our knees asking God and Sometimes we even utter the word, why? Maybe another phrase that we should start using is, why not? (laughs) That puts a different spin on it, doesn't it? It's like, "Hmm, what makes me so special that I shouldn't have to suffer, that I shouldn't have to deal with strife and with struggles and with enemies? And Yeah. God says, I'll save you. I'll redeem you. I'll buy you back. And this is a promise. And when we understand this, and when we have the proper motive, and we begin to ask God for for the things that we need, and he knows we need them, and it's according to his will, God says, I will provide those things for you. I will do these things. And then we see in the ministry of Christ as he is there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is praying fervently to God. And I believe the scripture says something like uh, he's praying and sweats like drops of blood. Now, I don't know if that actually means literal blood. It may be. Uh, It may just be heavy sweating, like big droplets of sweat. He's intense. Either way, it's an intense prayer. And he prays passionately. And he says, Here's what I want from you, God. I want this. I want this to be answered. I want this prayer of mine to be answered. In chapter 22, about verse 39, here's what Jesus had to say. He said he was coming out of the proceed or proceeded as his custom to the Mount of Olives, and he tells his apostles, "Pray that you may not enter into temptation." He withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, "Father, if." You are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but thine be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him, and being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. And when he arose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he says, I'm praying passionately to my Father in heaven. This is going to be painful. This is going to be the worst possible death that a person could endure. Not going to fall asleep and die. No, he's going to be nailed to a tree and he's going to suffocate and or bleed to death. Excruciating pain. I can't even imagine it. And Jesus goes to his father and he says, I'm going to ask this of you. But then what he does, he gives us this beautiful analogy. He says, oh, not my will, but thine be done. Oh, that's fantastic. We should always pray to God and have that as a caveat. We should say, I know this is what I want, but I'm going to submit to what you want. Remember, we come to him with a humble heart. Remember, we come to him with a proper attitude of ourself. God says, I know 
I know exactly where you're at. I know. And he says, now this is what I want to see from you. I want you to go back and be reminded of what Jesus went through in the Garden of Gethsemane and how he prayed to God. God heard him. God didn't answer the prayer the way Jesus asked it. Jesus said, remove this cup, did he? He didn't remove the cup. Jesus had to go to the cross. And there was a reason for that so that you and I can be saved. He had to die in our place. He had to take our place. God's justice demand death. And sin had separated us from God. And Jesus said, I'll die and I'll take their sin on me. I'll become sin on their behalf. You're going to do what? Yeah, I'll die for them. And because that was the plan, Jesus said, I will do it. In spite of the pain, in spite of the suffering, in spite of the loss of his life as a man. And then we find in the sermon or the, the letter that's written to the Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 5, notice what he says uh, in the days of his flesh, speaking of Jesus. He offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, there's a lot of words in there. There's a lot of information there, and we could spend another week on that particular verse. But what we want to look at is he was heard. Why was he heard? Well, I, my version says piety. We don't use that in our language today. <laughs> uh, when's the last time you ever heard someone say they were pious? Well, I can't remember ever saying it, but in my version, it says piety. Well, what's that word? What were we talking about? Well, off the word would be awe or respect or reverence. Notice if we change that because of his reverence, what does that imply? Well, there's, there's something there that says, I'm going to come to God with a humble and reverent heart, and I'm going to offer my prayer to him, and he will hear me. He will listen to me. Why? Because I'm obedient. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to be like my brother Jesus, and I'm going to be obedient, maybe even to the point of death. Maybe I have to die for my, my religion. Maybe I have to stand there and take it. Jesus did. He gave himself. We might have to do that. In our country, we may have to stand up and say, I'm going to stick with God, not man. I'm going to be imprisoned. Why? Because of my faith in Christ. I'm going to be tortured and beaten like Paul. I'm going to be killed like the son of God. That may happen. I pray that it doesn't, but it may. And if it does, God says, I know, I got you. I'm going to listen all the way through your, all, your whole ordeal. I'll be right there with you. You see, when we look for God, he says, you'll find me. Yeah, that's good news. And when the going gets tough, what's the old saying? The tough get going. How is it that I'm tough? It's not anything I've got. It's not my strength. It's the strength of my Savior. This then becomes, uh, he then becomes our source of eternal salvation. 
Jesus was hurt. You will too. You'll be hurt. And when we understand that it's a continuous activity, Jesus would tell a story, tell a parable about the friend at midnight. This is in Luke chapter 11, verse 5 through 10. It's a very interesting little parable. And a friend comes to the door of his friend, his best friend or whatever, and he knocks on the door. It's late at night and all of his kids are in bed and his door's locked. Friend ignores him. But what does the man knocking do? He keeps knocking. And the friend continues to ignore him. <laughs> but he keeps knocking. And he continues to ignore him. And finally, exasperated, he gets out of bed. He goes to the door and he says, what? What do you want? Yet, this parable teaches us one main truth. Keep asking. Keep knocking. Keep seeking. It's a continuous action. If we ask once and we don't get an answer, they don't get the answer we like, and we stop and we quit, it's like, no, that's not what we learn from the scripture. Keep on keeping on, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. And this then becomes the persistent prayer of a righteous man. And you know what the persistent prayer of a righteous man can accomplish? There's a scripture about that too. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's everywhere in the scripture. It's fascinating. There's an old say, there's an old uh, story about a man that prayed to God. And he was trying to teach the nation a lesson to follow God, and he prayed to God, and it stopped raining for a year, for two years, for three years, an intense famine throughout the land. And this one man prayed to God. He's up there on Mount Carmel, he prays to God, and here comes the rain. It started out as a small little cloud, like one of those clouds out there in West Texas. <laughs> Uh-oh, that's not good. It gets bigger and bigger, and then here comes the rain. That's exactly what happened. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. That's what James would tell us, James chapter 5. So when we get down on our knees, when we lay down in, in our bed at night, when we talk to our father, when we're gathered around the kitchen table and we're about to eat, when we talk to him during the day while we're driving around or when they release us from our captivity, whatever it is, whenever we, yep, he says, I'm listening and I want to hear from you. I want this relationship. The righteous prayer can accomplish much. We pray that you'll have a, a burning heart, an obedient heart, and one that says, I want a relationship with God. I want to find him. And I'm going to begin talking to him. And so I pray that you remember that God loves you and wants to hear from you. Maybe you stutter. Maybe you just don't know exactly what to say. Just start. Just start talking to him. And he says, I will hear you and I will bless you.